Hello and welcome to Business Unmuted, a business discussion live on LinkedIn, shared on platforms including YouTube, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. As ever, we're kindly sponsored by Virtue BMW, which is part of Gateshead-based Virtue Motors PLC. So if you're in the market for a used or fleet vehicle or a new car, its dealerships are in Stockton, Durham, Sunderland, Malton or York. In the studio this week, I'm joined by Stephen Hugill, editor of the Northeast Times. And down the line, we have Shaq Asghar, chief executive at Noodle, the funding specialists. Also, Elva Gini from professional services firm Deloitte. And Paul Davison, managing director of data analytics and testing specialists, Sirius Group. Now, with serious inflation affecting businesses across the board, is it time to lift interest rates? A slim majority of the Northeast's shadow MPC said yes this week for the first time in a number of years. The Lloyds Bank Business Barometer shows an overall business confidence rating in October at 43%, its highest level since the start of the pandemic. The Northeast was the region with the highest confidence in the UK apart from London. Leaders of the world's 20 largest economies, uh, economies have now backed a US proposal for a minimum corporate rate of tax of 15%. Will this benefit post-Brexit, post-pandemic Britain? It's all up for discussion today with our guests. But first, I want to turn to Elva Gini. Elva, you're in charge of marketing and, and, and communications across Deloitte in the north of England, northeast and Yorkshire. You've got a special uh, event, a special uh, conference happening in Teesside soon. Tell us all about it. Yes, thank you, Graham. So one of our really key strategic priorities at Deloitte is to play our part in helping to drive the levelling up agenda. And for me and my colleagues in Yorkshire and the northeast, this means finding ways to support the key levelling up themes of our region, such as attracting and retaining the right talent, place shaping and the role we play in building a place where people want to live, work and visit, and also finding practical ways to collaborate in response to challenges such as net zero. So with that in mind, and for the first time, we are holding a conference at Teesside around the theme of making levelling up happen in Teesside. This will take place on the 24th of November at Middlesbrough Football Club and we'll be bringing together a diverse audience drawn from across the UK and including investors, operators, corporates and others including local government. The conference really aims to bring to life the investment and growth opportunities in Teesside, in Teesside using a blend of technology as well as a site visit to Teesworks and will the, the day itself will centre largely around some very focused breakout sessions a, which aim to give a better understanding of some of the key opportunities which are emerging in the region. So you've managed also to get a tour then of the site visit to Teesworks so you'll be taking people around the Freeport just a few weeks after it's been launched it's a quite a good opportunity to see what's happening in levelling up Teesside. Yeah, I think there'll be I think it will be really interesting to see the regeneration that is happening on the ground, the progress that's already been made, and um, hopefully it will give our delegates a real, you know, really practical view of the scale of the opportunity in Teesworks, the Freeport and the wider region. Can people and who are watching this podcast, uh, people who are watching this video 
can people who are watching this video actually uh, come along and apply for a ticket? Yes, that would be great. We would really, really welcome, you know, a diverse, you know, broad ranging cross section of people to come and join us on the 24th of November. And um, I can share my details via email after this, Graham. And if people have questions or want to share the details, around their network, then please do get in touch with me. Okay, and I know your email address is at Deloitte, egeenie at deloitte.co.uk. So people can get in touch if they want to apply for a ticket. We'll put the uh, email address on our post on LinkedIn. Uh, I wish you the best luck with the conference. I'm looking forward to coming myself. Uh, and see, I've actually seen the Teesworks site and the Freeport, and it is a very impressive site. And I, I know you've seen it to prepare for the conference. What did you think? Well, I thought it was, um, you know, I really enjoyed the visit there. There's obviously lots of work to do, but the scale of what's happening already was a real eye opener. And I think unless you actually see it in person, it's very hard to understand, you know, how you can get involved and the opportunity that is really there for everybody to play a part. So, um, yeah, I would really welcome anybody anybody who's keen to come along to get in touch and um, we'll see you on the day hopefully. Thank you very much Elva. Thank right. you Graham. From Elva let's turn to our studio guest and to our other guests down the line. Uh, Steve Hugill you are the editor of the Northeast Times. There's the guy in charge of the Chamber of Commerce on the on the front page there. Uh, obviously you're very well connected with the business community and I don't know if you've been to see the Freeport uh, site, the Teesworks uh, ever? We had a uh, I haven't seen the, the site as it is now. Um, I remember uh, a few years ago going when it was SSI, uh, when it was still a steelworks uh, and driving around, or getting driven around I should say, I wasn't driving around the steel site myself. Um, Going to the the blast furnace, uh, the PCI plant, um, those sort of when those investments and stories were happening, um, and and just to reiterate the point there about the scale of, of the site, you, you don't get a feel for it until you're there. Um, it's such a, a sprawling area of land, and I think what's happening there is is absolutely fantastic. I mean, the, I mean I, for, for just a personal point, I actually serve on the board of it, so people should, who are watching this should know that, just a full disclosure. Um, it is fantastic and it's very exciting to, to be mm. on the board of that uh, that development corporation. Um, the, the, the Steelworks plant it's site, itself is really impressive. Mm -hmm. But it is likely to be knocked down. I, yeah. I personally take the view we should knock it down uh -huh. and, and move on with the next phase of Teesside. What's your view on that? Yeah, it's interesting actually. We, um, I think it's in that magazine. Um, I did a, a pin, yeah that one. Nice plug. Um, I, I wrote a piece basically about the the, the raising of the ground of Dom and Long mm -hmm. um, a few weeks ago, and, and obviously the the emotive side that was brought out by that. Lots of people wanting it to stay because of the legacy mm -hmm. to the steelworks and obviously our our, our history. Uh, but lots of people wanting it to move on. And I think I probably take the latter view, to be honest, um, mm. that, you know, for, for all that it was, you know, a real vestige of, of our past, industrial past, and, and our, the great champions of, of our industrial past and, and, and where our, you know, fantastic work in this region goes to in and around this UK, sorry, in and around the country and the world, there comes a time when we need to potentially move on. And I think knocking it down and creating space for something else is probably the best legacy you, you could have really for, in terms of the, the opportunities and the potential that site holds in terms of industry, in terms of the green industry, for example, um, you know, moving people on there that could bring jobs and, and investment and 
ultimately new industry to the region. Of course, your, your magazine covers business all around the northeast yeah. of England and North Yorkshire as well. Um, and the Teesside is just one part of it. Uh, I sense that industry and uh, business is in an upcurve at the moment, but it's sometimes difficult to see through the media, uh, the media commentary of interest rates, inflation, mm -hmm. and, and so on. Generally, I feel positive. How do you think your readers feel? I think looking over the last few weeks and months there's definitely been an increase in confidence from businesses i think um, there's been a bit of a break in the logjam of announcements in terms of job creation expansion uh, mm. whether it's merger and acquisitions or you know just physical expansion of, of factories etc um, i think the investments that have been announced over the last weeks and months teesworks included uh, the very recent one in terms of net zero, Teesside, carbon capture and storage from the government. Um, the Infrastructure Bank uh, announcement very recently uh, in terms of Teesworks and the, the, the wind turbine um, site down there. I think, I think businesses as a whole and people are getting a little bit more confident. Um, obviously we're coming from a low base given everything that happened yeah. with the pandemic. So I think it'll be a slow burner and I think you know we've always got to bear in mind that COVID is COVID and it's not going to go away anytime soon. We've got the dreaded B word lingering around lots of our exporters, um, you know, fantastic exporting region for, for centuries. Um, the desire for our products isn't waning, um, but our exporters obviously, a lot of them still, if you look at the, the data from things like the Chamber of North East England Chamber of Commerce service that they put out in terms of member surveys on Brexit, a lot of them are still getting through the the changes to customs and tariffs and what have you and obviously things like inflation and, and everything else that that is swirling around at the moment mm. means people are taking steps forward but at the same time it, they're small steps. I mean I was at Net Park in County Durham I felt pleased to see that that was growing yep. that there was new investments being mm -hmm. made in Net Park the T the um, advanced manufacturing plants in Sunderland mm. uh, that's kicking off these are all long-term investments that yeah. are going to be uh, affected by short-term ebb and flow so it felt good let's talk to Shaq and let, let's bring in Paul as well Shaq you've got a new business which is helping fund uh, businesses isn't it so tell us about Noodle first yeah, cool. So um, Noodle is a new venture we launched at the beginning of this year. Uh, we essentially provide our know-how and expertise direct to the businesses themselves, which are effectively our clients. And we help them to, first of all, navigate and identify what's available and suitable for them to leverage within the funding landscape. And then, as I say, we use our expertise and uh, experience that we've garnered over the past 20 odd years in this uh, field to actually help handhold them and do the job for them. So hopefully they secure the funding for their project, something along the lines of a factory expansion, as, uh, as was just mentioned a moment ago. Well, you're part of the solution, not the problem. You've created a new business, Paul, as well. We'll talk to him in a minute. Uh, but your business is unique in that you have insight into what businesses are, uh, are managing to achieve by way of funding. What is your take on the levels of business confidence? Do you think that the Lloyd survey, which was published this week, that said that the North East was the highest outside London in terms of business confidence, is that an accurate snapshot? So from what we uh, are finding out direct from businesses themselves, I think part of what raises that uh, level of confidence is all the good news stories that have been coming out. And I'm going to talk about it uh, in, in context of the Northeast 
the wider northeast in general we've been benefiting from lots of big investments that were just alluded to a moment ago and that does nothing but get you hyped as i like to refer mm. it to so if everybody's hyped together we can all bounce off each other and raise our sort of aspiration levels and uh, confidence levels to make an investment of that nature whether it's in new equipment or launching a business then secondary to that probably some of this is going to come down the line but when we get big investments like that it's then uh, the onus is on the public sector organizations to ensure that all of the local businesses that are in the patch plugged into those opportunities and leveraging funding and etc in the landscape is is essential so that we can expand our factories and then supply these big opportunities as as I've sort of uh, mentioned a moment ago, things like Teesport, there'll be lots available on there for Teesside-based co- customers and then wider afield in the northeast. So to hear that from the report, it doesn't surprise me at all. It's fascinating and uh, and it's interesting. By the way, you, you are almost writing a speech. I've got to give a speech at the Entrepreneurs Forum in two weeks when they do their annual conference. I'm just listening to what Shaq's saying. I think he's written my first two paragraphs. <laughs> Thank you very much, Shaq. Right, so that, that's an interesting snapshot. I'll come back to you in a minute. Let's move on to Paul. Uh, Paul, just a quick idea of what your business does, Sirius. It's a, a relatively new business, isn't it? And you've got new offices in Newcastle. We, we have, yes. Um, we actually only launched in uh, in February last year, so we, we didn't pick the, the, the best time in terms of uh, immediately before the, the global pandemic struck. Um, but, but we've managed to, to grow to, from strength to strength, basically, over the, the last 18, 19 months or so, um, culminating, as you said, in, in the opening of our, our offices in, uh, in June. Now you've got. I've I've seen some video of uh, lots of your uh, uh, your team working in your new offices. I think you're going to put that out in a couple of days. But what do your team do in those offices? It's Millburn House, one of the oldest office blocks in Newcastle. What do you do there? Yeah, so the, the building itself is fantastic. Um, it, it's a beautiful piece of architecture, and everyone always comments on it when they when they come to visit us. Um, the, the team um, basically we do data analytics and software testing consultancy services. Um, so that this basically means that we enable um, organizations to get the most out of their data. Um, traditionally, it's, it's, data has been seen as something that, that's a little bit boring, a little bit bland, um, but with a lot of the, the new innovations, um, there's, there's a, a big drive and um, people are realizing that the benefits that they can get from understanding their data better. Um, and it's not just sort of the, the descriptive analytics that people are going for now in terms of understanding what's happened in the past, it's the predictive and the prescriptive analytics so they can actually understand um, what this means in terms of trends. Um, and it's also helping them to drive um, carbon zero um, in terms of getting towards smart building management. All right, well, let's put both of uh, Shaq and, and Paul on uh, because listening to what Paul's saying, lots of data stuff. We've got these other little irritants in the economy, things like the inflation rate, things like potential interest rate uh, rise. We'll come to that in a minute. But if Paul's got his act together, he could deliver his customers the sum of the benefit of marginal gains. A little bit gained here, a little bit gained there, all added up together adds up to a lot. Because isn't it right in mathematics, a big number times a little number is still a big number. Or a little number times a big number is still a big number. Do you, you, you get? Is that what you're after, Paul? The sum of marginal gains? Yeah, um, that, that's that's exactly it. Um, we're dealing with um, organisations who do things like facilities management. Um, so if you imagine, um, especially post-pandemic, a lot of office spaces aren't necessarily as fully occupied as they are. 
if you understand that 10 people who are sat there with 10 laptops can give off a certain amount of heat and you know how much heat is required to keep the office at an ambient temperature you can then use that data to to inform what levels you're running your heating or your air conditioning at or actually if you haven't got people in on on a monday and a friday in the office do you actually need the the uh, the lighting on do you need the heating on um, and it's all that kind of information that people can use in, in a more intelligent way. Sounds fantastic. With all the fights over heating and air conditioning <laughs> in my office, I think I would want that. Shaq, let me ask you a question about interest rates. If you were on the, the uh, Monetary Policy Committee of the Bank of England this week, would you vote to put interest rates up or would you keep them where they are? Well, it's, it's a tricky uh, question from my perspective, just because of the nature of what I do to help businesses. But I think I'd probably agree that it'd be a good time to uh, start carefully managing an upward uh, increase in interest rates just to bring some of that inflation down that's hitting everybody in the pocket, um, whether that's consumers uh, at home paying more for the bread and the milk in the basket, which obviously puts less money into the economy if we're paying more for our products. Uh, but from my perspective, uh, as I say, from with my noodle hat on, it, it costs our clients so, for example, a manufacturer that we're working with of uh, high-end spas, all of their all of their materials have gone up: the acetate, the timber, everything, and, uh, including the shipping. So that can only either squeeze their net margins that they're operating on, or be passed on to the consumer anyway. So it's kind of a tricky thing, but I think it needs to be done just to sort of um, help to flatten the flatten the curve a little bit. I'm with you personally, Shaq. I think the Bank of England should have raised rates uh, probably around the spring, and then we wouldn't have had the urgency of raising rates. Uh, perhaps they missed the window. Uh, Steve, I suppose you're a reporter in some ways. You don't always express an opinion, but do you detect that there is an appetite among your readers and among businesses to accept uh, a marginal interest rate rise in order to offset inflation, or is there still the fear of the interest rate? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a bit of both, isn't it? Um, I think Mr. Bernie sat at the hair running when he, when he made his comments the other week and got a lot of commentators and analysts furious with activity about whether we'll see a rise or not. Um, I think to, to repeat the point there, we've probably come to the time now where you know action is going to happen. It's not a secret. Mm. We know that 0.1 will not last forever. We know why it's here, the unprecedented circumstances. So this conversation is, is something that was always going to come. Um, I think, yeah, we're probably at a point now where people will, will be accepting of it. Um, it will be marginal, so it's not going to shoot up. I think it'd be 0 0.2, yeah. let's say, for argument's Well, I would sake. hope 0 0.2, point, 0.25 yeah. or something. Yeah. But if, you get an immer if you get inflation out of control, it will be heavy. Well, absolutely. It? I mean, you know, the, the bank's got its target of 2%. And mm. we're, I think, we're at 3.1 at the moment, aren't That's we? Right. With projections potentially mm. looking at 4. Um, so, like I say, I'm not surprised that they're looking at it and... If the if the the result it'd be interesting to be a fly on the wall in the room when they're having the discussion yeah. uh, about why some might want to lift it and why some might want to retain it as it is. And it's possible people will be watching the repeat of this programme uh, <laughs> over the weekend and the rates have gone up or yes. stay the same. We don't know. We're yeah. discussing something that hasn't hasn't happened, but people might be watching it after it has. Mm. Paul, what's your view on this matter? Um, I think I would agree with Shaq. I mean, we're, we're in quite a, a fortunate position in that we're, we're a self-funded business. Um, so uh, a, a rise in interest rates wouldn't impact us as greatly as it will on, on some other organisations where they've had to, to borrow funding um, to get them through the pandemic, etc. 
Um, but but equally, as Shaq was saying there, I think that the people that are that are being hit most in terms of inflation um, are the, the the people that we're, we're looking to attract to come and work for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you need to try and offset these things with with salaries, etc. As well, so it, it's very much swings and roundabouts from a, a business perspective. I think my my own worry was watching the budget speech last week with Rishi, which in, in broadly I, I thought the budget was pretty good actually. But when he said that he th- expected the average rate of inflation to be 4% next year. That told me there'll be peaks considerably higher. And, um, you know, if, it, if there are organisations and uh, people selling to the public or to businesses that are taking opportunistic price rises, because they're seeing mm-hmm. inflations in the system will opportunistically rise, uh, raise our, our prices, then an inflation, uh, an interest rate rise will snuff out those opportunistic price rises. And that's probably what we need. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an opinion, but uh, you were nodding there, Shaq. You think that's... Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, Graham, because um, I think we only need to look at something like the petrol forecourt to see people uh, taking advantage and taking the opportunity to spike prices. The price of diesel per litre now is higher than when there was an oil shortage. So what's that all about? Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. one one quick point that I think we should add to this is we're talking about uh, business on this programme and um, these things are necessary to sort of get under control the cost of raw material for manufacturers and things of this nature, which is really important. But the government and uh, local authorities, combined authorities are well placed to extend the financial instruments and support mechanisms um, and and make them maybe a little bit more flexible as well in terms of grant schemes and and, and loan schemes. And by, by way of those, there is no interest rate implication or they can be more favourably rated uh, to the lender and still get the money out there so people can still invest in the company while they try and get inflation under control. So that would be my suggestion if I had a, 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 an audience with Mr Sunak or someone similar. Well, who knows? He may be watching this. He has been known. He appeared on this programme a few weeks ago, so you never know. Uh, and um, Shaq, that's a very good point. completely agree with that. Um, Corporation tax, last point, and then we've got to wrap because we've had a good round robin today, but corporation tax is going up in this country to 25% for larger firms uh, soon. That's coming up in the next few months. That is itself going to hit profits. That is going to hit dividends because you can't take dividend out of its after tax. Um, What what is your view on the, uh, the price control mechanisms in corporation tax that's already there? Are you expecting to have to pay more corporation tax, Paul? Um, at, at our size, I don't think that, uh, that, that we'll be impacted. Yeah, smaller um, business rates, the, yeah. I think um, what, what they should be looking at in terms of, of, of corporation tax are, are targeting some of these uh, these larger companies who are basing themselves offshore to avoid, uh, to mm-hmm. avoid paying it in the first place rather than the, the smaller businesses that are, that, are, that are paying their dues. Mm. Absolutely. Nods all around. Shaq, I'm going to give you last word. What would, what would you say on that subject? On that particular subject, I'm pleased to see that there, uh, there's a high subscription rate for the globalised 15% um, interest rate that they're, they're planning to put on there. And I think that's really key for us as a nation and for the rest of the world to be on an even playing field so that we can't have um, what was just said a moment ago, tax havens and uh, people giving bigger tax breaks so we, we don't get... Um, it's, it's a much less level playing field and you've got a competitive advantage to attract inward investment. So 
I like the idea of the globalised 15% minimum that people are subscribing to. And, you know, the, the raised interest, uh, sorry, the raised taxation rate that's coming down the pipe, I kind of expected it personally at some point because, you know, through COVID, we've had uh, record borrowing to try and mm. get us through and we have to pay that back somehow. So hopefully these policies will apply to small and large uh, businesses alike. And they've protected small business by introducing it from £250,000 worth of profit there. So I think uh, it's a fair kind of shout at trying to uh, balance the books. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. And I recommend people do pick this up if you see it. You distribute it in the post, I know. That's right, yeah. You see it on coffee tables and so on. Uh, and it's a good read. Well well done. Thank you very much for coming in. Okay, That's it for Business Unmuted today. Just a one little point. In a couple of weeks' time, I will be at the Entrepreneurs Forum. We will be recording a special post-COP discussion there, including some people who have been to the COP uh, conference uh, themselves. So watch out for that. Uh, but I'll see you next week at 5 o'clock live on Wednesday for Business Unmuted. Muted.